KYA is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders. Struggling to keep up with the latest releases? Want to keep an eye on what's coming out in the next few months for your work or your own personal pre-ordering needs? If you need help turbocharging your TBR, the Book Riot Insiders is here for you. Our new release index, available at the novel level for just $5 a month, is curated by resident reader Liberty Hardy from the All the Books podcast. She keeps track with the most exciting books pre-publication so that you can browse them, know when your favorite author's next novel hits stores, or find your next favorite read. Go to insiders.bookriot.com to sign up. YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We are recording on Wednesday, uh, March 27th, 2019. We're coming to you from our night caves, and uh, when I originally wrote the copy for this, the, uh, like, intro statement, I originally had, like, where you're recording on Friday, Wednesday, 27, 2019, <laughs> apparently, I took out the Friday, but didn't put what month it was, and then had a moment of, oh, what month is it? Uh, uh this is March still. Yeah, it's Wednesday, still March. Wednesday's kind of a, Wednesday feels like a month sometimes, so it's okay. Yeah. And, and March has been, like, ten months long. Yes. I don't know if it's been that way for you, but how are you doing? What have you been reading? Not bad, not bad. Uh, I, I feel like I'm always like existing in the future when it comes to <laughs> what I'm reading. Um, but an arc of uh, Cat Show's Wicked Fox showed up in the mail. Um, it's about a teen who is a, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce it and I apologize, a, a, a gamiho? Um, which is a nine-tailed fox who devours the spirits of men to survive. So, <laughs> like, I'm just saying this is a very Kelly book, I think. Um and when, uh, in the book, she, she saves a boy and accidentally loses the, the fox soul uh, that, that makes her what she is. So she has to choose between saving him and preserving her immortality. Um, I'm just a few chapters in, and I'm, I'm pretty smitten with the book. I, uh, I like it quite, uh, quite a bit. And, um, you know, I like Kat a lot on, uh, on the old Twitter.com, so I'm excited to, uh, to read her book. What about, uh, what about you? Um, I've been reading a lot of adult books, <gasps> and... I know. And today, wait for it. I finished a middle grade book today. Oh, man. Um, You're breaking all kinds of rules right now. I know. Well, the the thing is that um, I'm deep in my anthology editing world, uh, and so I kind of gravitate away. Can you gravitate away? I steer clear of um, YA when I'm in that editing mode just so that the voice, like nothing influences me. Um, but I also like to read adult, especially adult when I'm editing, because it gives me some insight to how that voice is different than a YA voice. So, um, yeah, so, so it's been a little bit of not reading YA, but, oh, I have, I have a cool story to share. Um, last week, Last week, I guess now it's, yeah, a week and a half ago now, um, I went into the city, Chicago, and I saw Lori Hall Sanderson and Mickey Kendall during the tour for Lori's new book, Shout, and um, 
when everybody was lining up to get book signed, this girl came up to me, a teen girl came up to me and said she listened to our show all the time. And I was like, I know. And I was uh, like, a part of me was dying right there. But then the thing that really, really like hit me hard was that she showed off the book she was reading and she was reading Point by Brandy Colbert, (sighs) which she was she had picked up because she heard about it on the podcast. Yes. And so our job, yeah. our job is done. This is the last episode. I know. I know. 40 episodes. We did it. Um, <laughs> so shout out to that girl. I didn't catch your name. Um, thank you for coming up to me and talking to me. And I hope you enjoy the heck out of your trip to y'all West, which you're going to for your birthday, which is pretty darn cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, that, that's the big, I guess, update. There's not much of an update. So calling it big makes it sound way more fancy than it is. Um, Did you see... (laughs) Did you see that uh, we have a new podcast? It's... uh, Oh. Yeah. So... Book Riot just launched a brand new podcast for Kidlet. So, you know, the podcast that uh, talks about middle grade books and children's books. Um, So if if you're a listener who loves middle grade or children's books or you're a parent who has kids and you're looking for great books for them, you'll want to check it out. It's called Kidlet These Days. I love that title so much. Uh, And it's hosted by Karina Glazer, who is the awesome New York Times bestselling author of the Vanderbeekers series. And she is co-hosting with Matthew Winner, who is a big name in the children's lit world as well. That is awesome. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I feel like I need to sort of like, uh, I don't know, beef up my writing life now because now we have like a New York Times bestselling kid lit author on the other podcast. And right now it's like <laughs> co-hosted with, you know, Eric, you know, dozens of people have read his books. Uh <laughs> Um, oh, so, you know, uh, as much as I feel like I exist in the future with the YA books, though, I, uh, I did start reading a book that just came out. Um, it's by, by a woman named Erin Han. It's called You'd Be Mine. Um, and it's sort of like the perfect kind of, like, I guess, me book. It's a YA music book, which I love. Um, and it's about two teen country music stars uh, who are, like, touring and falling in love. And it's just, ah, it's, like, totally written for me. I'm only a couple chapters in. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and then this week, uh, the sequel to Cindy Pond's Want came out. The, it's called Ruse. Uh, I think you should all go buy it because I like to talk about that book all the time. <laughs> so speaking of uh, Cindy Pond's book, so I, I was thinking about this because of how those books are shaped. Like they're a little bit, a little bit bigger than normal YA books, a little taller or whatever. Um, recently, and I know we've talked about like special editions of books before, but I signed up for the uh, Book of the Month Club fairly recently uh yeah just to get like more like adult literary books that maybe you know like i'm not really getting those recommendations um I don't know. I follow all of YA Twitter, so sometimes I miss that stuff. Uh, but now I'm kind of like hooked on them, and I'm wondering if this has ever happened to you, where you start getting a certain book that looks a certain way on the bookshelf, and then you just you want all of those books because they have a certain distinct spine to them. And I don't know. I I worry it was a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um... Harper Perennial puts out these classic books. They're like, I think they're $10 paperback versions of some of their great selling titles. And they, they all have a very distinct look to them. They're a little bit shorter than the, um, 
the trade paperback, but not as small as a mass market. And they all have these like bright colors to them and these stripes on them. And I find myself like fascinated with them. Like I, I have that thing where it's like, I want to buy them even though I won't read the book because I like how they look on the shelf. Like, and when they're all lined up, they look so great. So I feel you there. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's difficult. It's difficult. But, uh, yeah, there've been a couple of really good, uh, YA titles in the book of the month club. Like they had, um, Janet McNally's Girls on the Moon and Angie Thomas's On the Come Up. Um, oh, there's another book called, uh, oh, shoot. I forget. Okay. Well, I know, I know, I definitely know of two and I have them on my shelf and they look really pretty. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to check them out. Like, I, I've always wanted to look into that, but I haven't done it yet in part because I get too many books, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, the problems of the book life. Should we uh, should we hit our first sponsor and then dive into today's show? I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, sounds good. So our first sponsor is Inebriated by Katie Taylor. Barely 17 and as pretty as can be, the summer is their playground. Kate and her best friend take on San Francisco's party scene with fake IDs and short dresses. When Kate meets Adrienne Cross, the charismatic lead singer of her favorite band, she's introduced to a hedonistic world of liquor and lust that she never wants to leave. But then, that world spirals out of control and the harsh realities of reckless living take a toll on Kate and the one she loves. What will be left when the makeup washes off, the bottles are empty, and Kate loses her grip on everything? Inebriated is for fans of realistic fiction. It's a heartwarming story. Sorry, not heartwarming. It says heart-wrenching. That's the Mm. opposite. (laughs) Um, It's a heart-wrenching story that has been described as the front row seat to some very real demons disguised as a good time. And that is from our first sponsor, Inebriated by Katie Taylor. Oh, goodness. There's some good copy in that. What happens when the makeup washes off? Yes, I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. And also it has music in it, which is totally your thing. Mm. Eric, stop typing. I'm not typing. That's my dog. Augie is walking around the apartment. Oh, oh my goodness. For listeners who don't know, we have been having this back and forth with our sound guy. Shout out to our sound guy uh, about typing that he's been hearing over and over. And he said it comes from Eric's side. So I hear this sound. It's Augie. That's who it is. It's not typing. He sounds like he's typing. (laughs) Nope. Those little nails. Well, then I take back my yelling at you. He's welcome to do that. (laughs) So that listeners are aware. Like, we know that sometimes there's sound in the background. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. There's not a slick transition from that to uh, our topic, but I'll go ahead and let you uh, introduce this one. Yeah, yeah. So we were talking about things to discuss. um, And one thing that uh, came up was the idea of talking about climate change books and quote-unquote cli-fi novels. And there are so many out there. I feel like we could just be here all day. So we're going to mm-hmm. only list a couple, but uh, maybe <laughs> bullet list a few at the end. But, like, I, I just – I wonder why we're so drawn to stories like these, you know? Um, like, these, there's the idea of being terrified of something so huge and completely out of our control. Uh, and then something comforting about the idea that we might be able to survive whatever it is. Um, I don't know. Uh, all I know is I really love reading stories about <laughs> – uh, the world gone mad and apocalypses and things like that. Um, a lot of which are our fault. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of great, uh, cli-fi novels out there. It's so funny. I'm looking at the list that we made here in our little show notes and we picked some of the same ones, which is really interesting. Did um, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we did. 
Oh, um, that's funny. So yeah, I'll, I'll start off with one that I really like a lot, and that's uh, Under the Never Sky by Veronica Rossi. Um, so the series was, uh, it's a trilogy, it was actually one of the first that I dove into when I started getting into reading YA books again. Um, it's set in this world that's been, you know, ruined by humans, surprise, surprise, uh, and most of mankind lives in these giant domes, uh, and they use all this fancy technology to keep themselves entertained and connected and feels very posh and fancy, but it really isn't. It's actually really terrible. Um, the, but the people in there just don't realize it because they've been there for so long. Um, and one girl uh, gets banished outside of the dome when she's trying to hack the system that she's in. Uh, and she meets a boy who lives out there with other wild humans. Um, they're not really people that the dome folks associate with. Uh, and she'll have to brave uh, the wild uh, Eather storms that are outside that decimate the countryside fairly regularly uh, and figure out the mystery that ties their worlds together. Um, and, of course, there's lots of swooning as the series goes on. Um, <laughs> and it's just so much fun. Um, I really love these books. Uh, and it helps me get into YA in the first place. And that's uh, Under the Never Sky by Veronica Rossi. I am going to let you talk about that one that we have in common. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I will go ahead and delete that one from my list so that it's just on yours. Um, and I'm going to start with one that came out a few years ago. And as I was, like, rereading my notes on this book, I was like, whatever happened to this series? Uh, so so the book is After the Snow by S.D. Crockett. And it's the first in a series, except I don't know where the second book is it hasn't come out yet there was a uh standalone novella that went with it at one point that was a prequel <laughs> but the book came out in 2012 and we've yet to see the follow-up so i don't know what the story is there if we'll we'll get it or not but um it stands alone so you don't need to read a second book but I, i'm curious now especially this many years later um how it would read and also like what it might say about current climate change, uh, the forecast that we've seen about climate change today, uh, that we didn't have in 2012, but, and long introduction to say, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I read this book when it first came out and it's one of those survival stories that we like. Yes. And it's a, yeah, yeah. It's about a boy named Willow who was out hunting and suddenly these trucks came and took his entire family away from him. So he's just left out in the cold in the snowy permanent winter. There's this uh, permanent ice age going on. And so Willow is bound and determined to find his family again. But when he is out on this adventure trying to find them, he runs into this young refugee who has lost her father and who's starving to death. And... It would be easy for him to just let her go and to continue on what, with what he needs to do, but he decides to take her along and help her find her family. And so the two of them are now out together trying to navigate this permanent ice age and find anybody that can help them uh, as they're out here stranded. This one is really interesting in that it's told in a dialect, and it works really, really well for the main character because he's been brought up in this super non-traditional manner. And uh, so so the writing, it takes a little bit to get into, but it works. It reminded me a lot of the way that Blood Red Road by Moira Young, which came out about the same time, maybe a little bit before, was written in terms of, of a dialect in a specific style. And uh, I'd maybe even put that book as a fit for climate fiction, even though it's more dystopia than climate fiction per se but um and that 
title was After the Snow by S.D. Crockett. It won a, I think it was an honor for the Morris Award that year. Oh, nice. Um, so the one we both mentioned in our list was uh, Orleans by Sherry L. Smith. Um, so a lot of cli-fi isn't uh, exactly grounded sci-fi. Like, I feel like the one you were talking about um, feels more, like, a little more contemporary with the mm-hmm. world gone, gone terrible, where we've got, like, you know, in Veronica Rossi's book, we've got giant biodomes and, like, superpowers and either storms and things like that. So, um, yeah, Orleans feels a little more like... I don't know, like that grounded sort of cli-fi where like it could potentially happen, which makes it mm-hmm. even scarier. Um, and in the novel, uh, hurricanes and a deadly virus like decimate the Gulf Coast and the United States decides to quarantine it. They put up a wall. The uh, I feel like the, I remember the copy for this book was something like, uh, you know, first there was like the hurricane, then there was the disease, then there was the wall. And I'm just like, oh, wow, this is, uh, okay. I, I, I feel like this could happen now, and that makes it super scary. Um, and the book picks up years later where there are people living behind this wall still, trying to figure out a way to survive. Uh, and a teen girl has to, uh, yeah, navigate all of that awfulness. I remember she's, uh, I remember she's like, carrying a baby with her. Um, it's pretty intense, uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, when did this one come out? Like, six years ago? Seven years ago? Something uh, like that, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, and that is uh, Orleans by Sherry L. Smith. My next one is... Let's talk about Dry by Neil and Jared Schusterman. Um, I, know oh, I still haven't read this, and I need to. You talk you about need it all to. the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a standalone. It's written by Neil Schusterman, who is just a powerhouse, and his son, Jared. And it's one that I read pretty much in a single sitting since it's a roller coaster. Uh it's, it's about what happens when the California drought reaches epic proportions. So the drought, which they're calling the tap out, has sort of become this thing that everybody is used to. They've been conserving water as best they can. They've been, you know, not watering their lawns. They've been cutting back on showers, lengths of showers. But then one day, finally, the faucets stop working. There's no water at all. And suddenly, it's... It's just chaos. People don't know what to do. You know, you you can't survive without water. Your pets can't survive without water. So the story picks up when the taps run completely dry, and Alyssa, who's one of the main characters in the book, is um, on a mission to figure out how to survive and how to do so while navigating everybody who's just thirsty and angry and desperate. And um, I think there's three main characters in the book, and it shows a really interesting perspective on the haves and the have-nots when it comes to um, something like water, how some people can hoard it and even in a desperate situation can try to profit off of other people's misery and desperation. Um, Mm. It's sold to, I can't remember what film studio, but it's sold that it's going to be a film and it's one of those books that I read and as I was reading it I was thinking this would make a great adaptation and um, it's so eerily true this is one of those really grounded ones it feels really really realistic as opposed to speculative Um, and yeah again standalone so you could read it and not get to the end and go oh man there's a second one coming no no you (laughs) you get an ending in this one Um, and that is Dry by Neil and Jared Schusterman oh yeah that book is like on my bookshelf and has been for a while I'm just gonna you know what I have to travel this weekend I'm gonna bring it with me there you Um, go so my next one is uh, Shipbreaker uh, by Paolo uh, Bagalupi 
Bacalupi? Is that how you pronounce her last name, I believe? Um, here's another one that feels like it could happen because it kind of does happen. Um, set in a world that's a mess. Um, a teen works with a crew of scrappers taking apart the giant ships that no longer float through our oceans. Uh, selling scrap for a chance at some kind of life, um, but a life that's really short anyway. Um, until a wealthy girl crashes her high-tech sailboat. Uh, and suddenly uh, he has a choice. Save her or take her boat for scrap and get that better life. Um, the book is really devastating because not just because it's this climate change book, but because uh, there are kids who take apart giant ships like this. Uh, shipbreaking is a thing and the child labor is very real. If you Google it, it is horrifying. Um, and there are other books in the Shipbreaker series like Drowned Cities, which would give you a hint that it's also very cli-fi. Um, and that is the Shipbreaker series. I highly recommend uh, checking these books out i am going to cheat a little bit and talk yes. about <laughs> and talk about a nonfiction book so obviously mm. it's not climate fiction it's climate nonfiction. um and it's called it's getting hot in here by bridget hughes mm. it came out a few years ago and it's a look at climate change and the realities of what's going on in our world right now it's one of those books that is really really heavy into science it, offers a ton of numbers and figures and graphs, and it offers up really good arguments about why climate change is a real thing and backs it up with all sorts of research, but it does so in a way that gives multiple perspectives. So um, you get the clearly delineated scientific evidence as well as the political evidence and how those two sometimes go hand in hand and how sometimes they, they butt heads Um it's a really thoughtful and well-written book about what climate change is, what it looks like, and the, the greater impact it has. And um, it gives some really manageable, I guess is the word I want, tips for individuals to do better with their impact on the earth. And they're all things that don't cost a lot of money and that aren't super hard. And um, it's one of those books, too, that's full color throughout with tons of uh, graphics and images and sidebars which is the kind of nonfiction that I really like, especially for teen nonfiction. Like, I like that stuff pulled out so that it really it really pops. Um, and it's got a nice trim size, too. It's a traditional novel size, so it doesn't feel like one of those oversized books. Um, but it's one that I would totally recommend for anyone interested in climate change, and I think it's one that makes a really good companion read for climate fiction, since it sort of gives the the scientific side of of what these fictional stories are doing. And that is uh, It's Getting Hot in Here by Bridget Hughes. It's so funny when you mentioned the, the butting heads thing. All I could think of was how in, like, every, like, cli-fi movie, you know, like the day after tomorrow or Geostorm or any number of terrible movies that I voluntarily watch, uh, <laughs> there's always that, like, political figure that's just, like, Whatever you say, you know, Mr. Climate Scientist, you don't uh -huh. know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then, like, somewhere at some point, like, three quarters of the way through the movie, something climate-specific happens and he dies. And, like, you see that look of regret on their face. Uh, that happens in every movie. There's always that butthead guy. Um, I wonder if they're in every book. They have to exist in every book. I'm sure um, that they do. Eric... You're talking about that reminding me of that really terrible tornado movie that came out a few years ago, Into the Storm, I think it was called. Oh, you... I watched it. <laughs> oh, so did I. I saw it in a theater, Eric. And all I could think about is, as you were talking about that, the moment when you get the fire tornado. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> that movie was so bad. <laughs> it should have swept the Oscars. I don't know what oh. happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. So next for me, next book, let's transition into, uh, into more stuff, is... Um, <laughs> is Under the Ephemeran Sky by Chuck Wendig. Um, so I know Wendig is like a massive success in the adult sci-fi realms. He has those Star Wars novels and his other books like Zero and Invasive. But his YA series, I feel like no one read them. Um, they're so underrated and so great. And it's a cli-fi series about mankind losing control over genetic engineering surrounding their food. Uh, and they create a strain of corn that takes over the planet. So the planet is now covered in corn. Uh, and we have ruined the planet uh, because of corn uh, and there are floating cities that float above the earth that are powered by corn syrup and I know I know this sounds ridiculous as I am saying all of it uh, and it gets worse because as the corn mutates new life springs up maybe the corn is alive maybe it's turning people into plant-like creatures there's so much stuff happening uh, and the people in the sky aren't being held accountable for what they've done uh, until they are and a band of teenagers uh, rises above all of it and goes on the attack um, they're really fun there's three books in the series um, it's one of those books that when you explain it to people you have to like hold your hands out and you're like okay wait <laughs> The corn is alive, and people look at you weird, but these books are super fun. Um, first one's called Under the Ephemeral Sky, and I believe it's called the Heartland Trilogy. Um, and they're always, they're almost always like $1.99 uh, on ebook, because uh, I think that they're, they're Amazon books. And that's, uh, yeah, the Heartland Trilogy by Chuck Wendig. As you were talking about that, I'm like, this doesn't sound absurd. Like, I don't know what that says about me that I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see that happening. Oh, yeah, the corn. Yeah. The corn. I guess I guess when you grow up around it and, like, you're surrounded by it, you just have these, like, visions of what corn can do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're having a good time today. Oh, man. Um, so I don't have another one on my list because uh, I deleted that one that to let you have it. But I did make a note that something I would really love to see is a YA anthology of climate fiction. Um, oh, that would be awesome. There's not one, and I think it's one of those topics that would lend itself to so many interesting stories, both mm -hmm. the super futuristic, super fantastical, as well as the ones that are like, it's happening right now. Um you know, and, and I think it would be compelling that way. It would also be compelling then to have, like, the um, stories sort of paired with a nonfiction essay or, uh, you know, little information blip. I'm thinking, like, Jessica Spotswood's two YA anthologies on uh, historical women have the inspirations behind the stories in in conjunction with the stories themselves, I think that would be really cool. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like the um that Mars series that was on National Geographic, the TV show, where it's like half the fiction of them going to Mars and everything, and then half of it is like actual scientists explaining yeah. how stuff would work. Yeah, that's a good idea. You should do it, Kelly. Uh, <laughs> I you know um, I'm gonna let somebody else do that. I'm I'm deep in my own. My there we own go. <laughs> Free idea, hey YA listeners. Yeah. Um, let me just list off a couple bullet point uh, good ones because there are so many. We could be here all day. Um, one that I liked quite a bit is uh, Empty by Suzanne Wayne. Uh, what would happen if the world ran out of gas? There's no oil. Everything starts shutting down from the electric grid to air conditioning to cars. It's 
terrifying and super exciting. Um, Breathe by Sarah Crossan. The air is messed up. People live in domes. Uh, the Water Wars by Cameron uh, Stracker. Uh, there's no water. Uh, Ashes, Ashes by Joe Trigari. What Weather has gone mad. Everything is awful. Um, the 11th Plague by Jeff Hirsch. There's a mutated influenza virus that kills almost the entire country. Uh, and then Not a Drop the Drink by Minnie McGinnis, who is a evergreen HeyYA favorite. Um, <laughs> that one's all about drought. Um, oh, and then last week I talked about Burnout by Christy Helvig, which is what happens when the sun gets too big uh, and dries out the planet. So there's, there's a lot of cli-fi. I think there's a little bit of something for everybody and your own horrible interests, whether if you want to read about people that have nothing to drink or the sun exploding, uh, there's something for you on the bookshelf. We should um, also throw in Station Eleven. It's an adult book, but it's one that's got super good crossover appeal. Oh, yeah. Station I love Eleven that one. Like, influences my entire literary agent career. I love that book so much. I do, too. It's so good. And it's just like, it's that perfect blend of super... I, I hate using the word commercial, but um, commercial with literary, you know, mm-hmm. it's like it's appealing to all kinds of readers is the best way to put it. Yes. So let's dig in. Yeah, let's dig into our next sponsor. Um, so our next sponsor is uh, Hap Haven from Roar, an imprint of Lionforge. Uh, after stepping on a crack and breaking your mother's back, Alex Mills must journey to Hap Haven, uh, the world where Earth superstitions draw their power. All she needs is a rabbit's foot to save her mom, but retrieving it won't be easy. Not only is the lucky foot guarded by Hap Haven's most formidable creature, the Jinx, uh, there's also a forest full of trees that knock back people named Penny who don't like to be picked up. Up and a vindictive cat, butt cat who will not be crossed. Half Haven by Norm Harper and Louise Joyce is in stores now from Lion Forge's Roar Imprints. Uh, Alex Mills grew up hearing stories of her great great grandpa Zane, who never lost a hand of cards. So as long as he had two jacks in his hand, until one day Lady Luck betrayed him. He went off in search of Lady Luck and was never seen again. Mm. Alex has followed her superstitions to a T all her life, trying to avoid a jinx. Until one day, she steps on that crack that breaks her mother's back. The only thing that could save her mom is that Lucky's rabbit's foot. Uh, Alex must travel through the rainbow to the world of Haphaven, the land from which all of Earth's superstitions draw their power. With her mother's life in the line and her own fate at stake, Alice, Alex must find the strength within herself to unlock the mystery of what happened to her great-great-grandpa Zane and take back control of superstitions that have ruled her life. Haphaven is written by Norm Harper, author of the Eisner-nominated Ricky, uh, is illustrated by award-winning Australian creator Lewis Joyce. Uh, Happy Haven is in stores now from Roar, the YA imprint of Lion Forge. Speaking of books set in other places. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about the world uh, falling apart and being destroyed by plagues and other uh, sort of natural disasters. Now let's talk about, uh, I don't know, books that aren't so much about natural disasters. Maybe they're more about... Uh, up close and personal disasters, you know, relationships yeah, gone there you awry, go. war, things like that. Um, and talk about books that span all over the place. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at my little list here, and I feel like you have so many good ones on here. Um, one that I mentioned, want, I want to mention really quick before we dive in uh, is Timekeeper by Tara Sim. Uh, I feel like I haven't dropped this book in a long time. <laughs> uh, so I get to talk about it really quick. Um, it's a fun fantasy steampunk paranormal romance uh, that is about a teen boy who fixes 
giant clocks a la Big Ben that control time all around the countryside. And if that clock is broken, maybe you and your family get frozen in place and he's on a mission to potentially save his father in the village that his father is trapped in. Uh, And then maybe falls in love with a clock spirit. So there's steampunk, there's fantasy, there's romance with a ghost, uh, and it's set in England, uh, but then the future books start to span all around the world. We go to India in the second book, we jet set a lot more in the third. Uh, It's a finished trilogy Uh, So if you're like Kelly and you like to read everything at once, uh, it is a perfect series to pick up and sit down and read all in one go. Uh, And that is Timekeeper by Tara Sim. Hmm. So my first one is one I briefly mentioned on the last episode, but I'll bring it up again. And that is The Weight of Our Sky by Hannah Elkaf. Uh, It's set in Malaysia. And uh, I thought it was really refreshing to read a book that's not only set in a country outside the U.S., but it was set in the 60s, too. So it's this uh, historically set in a book, historically set book in a country that I know very little about, um, in a time period that I know very little about. And it was very cool to see that in YA because it doesn't happen a whole lot. Um, So it's set during the uprising between the Chinese and the Malay in 1969. And the book follows a teen named Malati who is not only struggling with the terrible violence going on around her in her home city of Kuala Lumpur, uh, as well as the way that this uprising is impacting her friends and family. She's losing loved ones in this um, in this political uh, upheaval. But the thing that that stuck out to me is that um, Malati has OCD, and it's a really fabulous and hard to read exploration of living with OCD and what that feels like, what that sounds like, and. Um, in this particular book, I thought that the way the OCD was rendered was really, really fascinating. So um, it's it's seen as an evil spirit, as a jinn, and that was how um, the Muslim world in this particular time period viewed mental illness. So it's really fascinating to see how that weaves in so many different parts of um, cultural beliefs in Malaysia, as well as at this time, as well as religious beliefs, and all of this on top of what we can recognize as OCD and something that is just terrible and, and really, really impacts Malati's everyday experiences. Um, and that is The Weight of Our Sky by Hannah Alkaf. Oh, I loved that book so, so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so good. Um, my next one is uh, Meant to Be by Lauren Morrill. So one of my favorite YA authors. Uh, this is her first book, uh, and it's a jet-setting uh, rom-com adventure uh, that takes place on the streets of London. Um, a teen firmly believes that she uh, already knows who her uh, meant-to-be is, uh, and then gets partnered with her least favorite person uh, while studying abroad in London. Essentially, this boy is her nemesis, uh, and a series of anonymous texts starts to take her on a trip throughout the city, leading to whoever her true love is actually supposed to be. Uh, but she's stuck with this guy. Um, so it's hilarious, charming, peppered with literary references. Um, it's a who is the person that she's supposed to be with sort of story. Uh, and it's a Lauren Morrill book. So like you read it and you feel like someone's hugging you. So mm-hmm. it's a, a lot of fun. Um, and that is uh, Meant to Be by Lauren Morrill. My next one is Up to This Point by Jennifer Longo. And it's set in Antarctica, which is the coolest thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember this book. Yeah. Um, I never knew that I wanted to read a book set in Antarctica until I read a book set in Antarctica. And now it's like, all I think about is how I want another book set in Antarctica. Um, Because this one sort of, like, 
put that little seed in my mind about how awesome that is. Uh, so in addition to being set in Antarctica, this book is also about ballet, which is like two checkboxes on my, on my list. Um, so it's a story about a girl named Harper who thought she knew what her entire life would look like after graduation. And she had this great plan with her best friend. They were going to be ballerinas forever. And then when they graduated from um, dance school, they'd get positions in the San Francisco ballet. They'd be roommates in a loft downtown and they'd lived out their dreams together. Best friends doing best friend things in this dream life. But uh, things don't turn out that way. And that is how Harper ends up in Antarctica. It required a little bit of string pulling on her end and some creative truth telling to get her there uh, about her qualifications for what she goes down there to do. Uh, But it's an opportunity when she is down there to rethink her entire future and to make some plans for herself as well as unmake some plans that just won't be part of what she needs to build her life when she goes back to the USA. Um, this one had a lot of fun writing and the setting was just awesome. Um, I really loved Longo tackling the ideas of, um, needing and wanting this plan for your life versus letting your life sort of unfold the way it's meant to. And she nicely balances those two things in this story and does so while also interweaving ballet and being set in Antarctica. Like it's, it's just smart. And, um, the right amount of quirk with those things without being a quirky book. And that is up to this point by Jennifer Longo. Nice. Uh, so I'm gonna mention one that I haven't read yet. Um, because I was tweeting about wanting to read something, uh, at YA that feels like a reality show. Uh, and everyone asked me if I'd read this one and I hadn't. Um, and that is For Real by Allison Cherry. Uh, and I really like Alice and Cherry's books. I'm not sure how this one slipped under my radar, uh, but here's a bit about the book. Uh, no parents, no limits, no clue what they're in for. Shy, cautious Claire has always been confident, her older sister's shadow, uh, while Miranda's life is jam-packed with exciting people and whirlwind adventures. Uh, Claire gets her thrills vicariously by watching people live large on reality TV. Uh, Miranda discovers her boyfriend, Samir, cheating on her right before college graduation. It's Claire who comes up with an amazing plan. They'll outshine Miranda's fame-obsessed ex- uh, while having an amazing summer by competing on Around the World, a race around the globe for a million bucks. Revenge plus sisterly bonding equals awesome. But the show has a twist, and Claire is stunned to find herself in the middle of a reality show romance that may or may not have been just for the cameras. Uh, the summer could end up being the highlight of her life, or an epic fail forever captured on film. In a world where drama is currency and manipulation is standard, how can you tell what's for real? Uh, and yeah... It's a book about traveling around the world and reality TV and romance. Yes, please. I need to read this. Uh, and that is For Real by Allison Cherry. That sounds so fun. Yeah. I don't know how I missed that one. My next one is one that I haven't read. Uh, apparently, we're doing that thing now. But uh, I, I got this one in the mail this week, and it looks so adorable that I had to include it. And it's I Love You So Moki by Sarah Keen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's set in Japan. And I'm just going to read the description because it's so it's great. I can't make up anything better than this. So Kimi Nakamura loves a good fashion statement. She's obsessed with transforming everyday ephemera into Kimi originals, bold outfits that make her and her friends feel brave, fabulous, and like the ultimate versions of themselves. But her mother sees this as a distraction from working on her portfolio paintings for the prestigious Fine Arts Academy, where she's been accepted for college. 
So when a surprise letter comes in the mail from Kimi's estranged grandparents inviting her to visit Kyoto for spring break, she seizes the opportunity to get away from the disaster of her life. When she arrives in Japan, she loses herself in Kyoto's outdoor markets, art installations, and cherry blossom festival, and meets Akira, a cute med student who moonlights as a costume Moki mascot. Hello, that sounds awesome. Uh, Eric, for your hot dog costume, how about a Moki <sighs> costume? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, all the books about teens in costumes, yes, <laughs> yes, please. Uh, sorry to interrupt that description. I just, uh, I love that. Um, so what begins as a trip to escape her problems quickly becomes a way for Kimi to learn more about her, about the mother she left behind and to figure out where her own heart lies. And that one comes out in May, I believe. Um, it's got a really cute cover. I love it. Uh, and that's I Love You So Moki by Sarah Kuhn. Nice. I have a couple little rapid fire wrecks I want to give. Um, let me see. Oh, A Conspiracy of Us by Maggie Hall. It's a Da Vinci Code-esque YA novel. Lots of jets setting around the globe as they unravel a mystery. Uh, and there's a love triangle that spans three books. Yes. Uh, the Astonishing Color of After by Emily XR Pan. She travels to Taiwan. Uh, and Want by Cindy Pond. Hooray, I can talk about it again. <laughs> uh, it takes place in the future uh, Taiwan. So some sci-fi, a little magical realism, a little bit of thriller there. Uh, lots of stuff for everybody and lots of, uh, jet setting around. And I'll do, I'll do the same thing. I'll rapid fire the other titles I've got here too. Um, I talked about that one. I didn't talk about a girl like that by Tanaz Batana, which is set in Saudi Arabia. And that was a really cool one. Uh, so different in setting and it's about, um, sort of being female as a broad topic as well as being female in Saudi Arabia and what happens when you're branded as sort of, um, one of those girls with a reputation in a Saudi high school. Uh, my next one is If You Could Be Mine by Sarah Farazin, set in Iran. And it's about um, a pair of girls who are madly in love with one another, but have to keep their relationship secret because homosexuality in Iran is illegal. And uh, the lengths that one of those girls might go to in order to legally be with her beloved and then the book I love talking about over and over again, uh, Notes from My Captivity by Kathy Parks, which is set in Siberia. And it's a darkly funny uh, survival story about a girl who wants to debunk this belief her stepfather has in this family of hermits that live in Siberia. So she goes with him to write an article to get herself into journalism school. And lo and behold, her stepfather might be onto something. There might be a family of hermits living in Siberia. Um, and that one's a dark comedy, which just makes like the setting even more, more perfect. Um, and that is notes from my captivity by Kathy Parks. All right. Well, that is a lot of good books this episode. A lot of, yeah. uh, you know, people coming together in the world and a lot of the world falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think we're just going to end with that line. Which is... <laughs> Uh, so thank you all for tuning in again this week. If uh, you have any feedback about the show, leave it on Apple Podcasts. That lets us know how we're doing, and it allows other people to find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and on Instagram as Veronica Kelly Mars, and you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and on Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. We will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.